Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Thursday night, a return to traditional values, our Thursday night spaces here on X. We are the Hawks Insiders, also known as Hawks Insiders for Change, also known as Klobansky. We are a multi-named, multi-facet operation, but we are here to talk for the next little while about the footy world through the most important lens of old lens of all the brown and the gold so uh thank you for joining us we've got a bit to get through and i'm joined as always by my friends colleagues and co-hosts firstly danny prince in the controls lead hello danny ash good to be here as part of the uh inaugural clubancy safe space here on hawks insiders for change as we're now known absolutely <laughs> yeah. for, for those of you who uh didn't hear the sounding board podcast uh, the other day, um, Damien Barrett, uh, the conversation did turn briefly to Hawks Insiders um, and we were, uh, I guess, uh, dismissed by Damien Barrett as Hawks Insiders for change. Um, Damo and Hachi, of course, have a standing invite to come on the spaces anytime they like. Um, Darren Levine, hello. Hey, Ash, good to be here on uh, Damo for PM again. Yes. Good to have you here, and uh, and uh, for whom we had temporarily named, Brad Klebanski. Hello, Brad. Hello, all. Thank you. Our mate Damo's gone into hiding. I've been trying to contact him this week and donuts. Yes. So hopefully I get him over the weekends and we can try and get him on next week. Well, uh, as long as we're doing Thursdays, he'd be half a chance. I think he might be engaged otherwise on Wednesday nights, but... Uh, Oh, yes, I also sent him a text message and got uh, no resp- no reply. Uh, but we'll be seeing him shortly, so uh, in the next little while. So maybe we can catch up then. No Andrew West tonight. He is uh, travelling around the countryside like a Leyland brother. And uh, Simon Moritz may or may not join us. But we like to make this as wide-ranging conversation as possible. So please, if you've got something you want to contribute, put your hand up to speak. We'd love to have you on or send a a question through the uh, comment field. We will get to that, as you always do, uh, over the course of the next little while. Um, it has been a good time to be a Hawthorne supporter these last couple of weeks. The fabulous win over Collingwood at the MCG was followed by a very gritty performance down in Tasmania. The Hawks conceded uh, three of the first four goals, trailed by 20 points at quarter time, then got themselves going and held on for a famous or fabulous three-point win over the Western Bulldogs. So that's two finals contenders, one premiership contender, one finals contender in two weeks that the Hawks have taken care of as the rebuild continues at a very nice pace. Um, Those who are listening to the Hawks Insiders interview with Rob McCartney, which I think took place in late February, the Hawthorne. General Manager of Football Operations, he did suggest that the second half of the season would be better than the first half of the season. We uh, few weeks ago were a bit concerned about that, but uh, last month or so has shown that he's right on the money. They've had a good couple of weeks. We'll get to the selection and the discussion about the Melbourne game Sunday, which, based on a couple of things at selection, 
Might be a struggle for us to get over the line, but uh, it's been a pretty good season. Nonetheless, it's been what has it been? It's been uh, four days since the game now, so we've all had a bit of time to digest it. Um, Danny, give us some good out of the game. Well, there was plenty. Um, I think probably start with the the first one, which was uh, mentioned in the player ratings pod with uh, Daz and I. Um, but backing up the huge win against the Pies with uh, a really gritty, hard-fought win against another very good football side um, says a lot about the mentality of this young uh, Hawthorne side and says a lot about um, the way that they're prepared. They prepare themselves to win games. So um, I think that's the first thing. That's uh, very exciting from a mentality perspective. Um, from a player perspective, I think, you know, just... Uh, John Newcomb in his 50th game, uh, having 40 touches, having a career game, um, just being absolutely everywhere and showing anybody that had any doubts on him that his ceiling has not yet been found and that um, he is well and truly in the mix for all Australian top 40. So, um, you know, that's that's super exciting. I think the uh, the return of Carl Lehmann, um and his his subsequent game was uh, was very impressive. 32 disposals and a goal. Um, the midfield, again, really solid against another very good midfield unit in the Bulldogs. Um, you know, Connor Nash was good. James Warple was good. Will Day was fantastic. Uh, I thought Dylan Moore was really good as well. Um, that was definitely, in my opinion, Jacob Kaczynski's best game as a Hawk. I know he has previously kicked a bag of five down in Tassie, but I thought his presence, his aerial ability, his contested marking... Um, you know, everything he did bar his kicking for goal was uh, really impressive. So uh, really happy with that. Um, Let's talk about Cozzy for a sec. Sure. Um, the, the hope at the start of the year was we'd seen um, Cozzy more or less have his breakout year in 21. Last year was sort of Mitch Lewis's turn to get going. Cozzy was disappointing. But we gave, just as we gave Lewis a bit of a mulligan uh, in 21, we gave... Um, Kaziski a, a mulligan last season the hope was this season that they could combine and turn it on and become the one-two punch that we've been hoping for it's taken almost until round I mean Kozzi's had a couple of um, cameos here and there you know kicked the winning goal against or the, the, the key goal of Paul Hawford but against St Kilda back in the middle of the season whenever that was do you think now Danny that the is there enough evidence out there yet to suggest that Lewis Kaczynski is the uh, is the Hawthorne forward line uh, future that they can build the they're the tools to build the team around. Uh, not quite yet for me. I think it's a little bit of a false economy uh, until it's proven otherwise. Uh, you would want to see Cozzy um, giving you know the same sort of effort for the next couple of weeks if you're to even consider it. But what it does do is it probably ensures that you know he and Brandon Ryan and Denver Granger Barras all sort of having little moments ensures that maybe we're not as sort of weak in that area as we might have anticipated we are. And potentially it means we don't go and chase a sort of ready-made key forward from another team, which I think is probably uh, all in all a good decision right now. Um, you know, that doesn't, that shouldn't stop us from drafting one if there's one available. But um, I think we've got to continue on the path that we're on um, keep giving these these young key forwards uh, the opportunity to develop and the opportunity to grow and um, and and see what they've got in in their kit bag and in their trick bag and 
uh, and see which ones make the grade and which ones don't. So I guess that's a long-winded way of me saying fill me with hope that he's the next, um, you know, centre-half forward for the Hawks. But uh, it's better that he plays like that than that he plays like he has sort of uh, at times last year and this year. All right, and uh, continue on with your likes. I, I really interrupted you there. No, no, no. It's worth the conversation. Um, I was just going to say um, Blake Hardwick did to Cody Waitman what Blake Hardwick does to Cody Waitman every time the Hawks play the Dogs. Absolutely blanketed him, um, barely touched the ball. Um, I thought Jack Scrimshaw was really impressive as a uh, as a key tool back against uh, Jamari Hagen for the most part. Uh, Hagen started pretty well, but didn't really do much after that. Um, and, you know, that's a very different role for, for Scrimmer. Uh, so for him to be able to play that, I think, is um, really impressive. I thought Ned Reeves was fantastic again against um, Tim English. He was really good last week against Darcy Cameron. But um, Tim English is another beast comparatively. Uh, but he seems to have his way with uh, Tim English when we play the doggies. So um, that's there's some really positive signs there. And... Um, Finn McGuinness as well, the work that he did on a multiple opponents was really positive. And just a quick shout out to um, young young McDonald, um, not Connor. Um, I thought uh, Bailey was absolutely um, what was very very good, considering he wouldn't have been prepared to come on in the first quarter and play effectively a whole game. So um, yes, he had a couple of sort of ordinary moments early. But after that, I thought he was really, really good. So um, those are my goods out of the game. And they dropped him. <laughs> and they dropped him. They didn't even retain him as a potential sub. He's out of the squad altogether, which I find baffling. Uh, but we'll get to, we'll get to selection, selection for next. Yeah, you're, you're, you've had steam, you had steam coming out of your ears when the team No, I've just got earlier, I just, so, yeah, I no, just we'll get to it. it. And I thought, that's weird. It was just a weird hold, selection. Hold your fire. We'll get to that <laughs> in due course. Daz, you uh, watched the game as well. Uh, what what didn't you like about the game? Can't be much, but it must have been something. Oh, I thought you'd give this one to Brad. I don't know. Um, it's, I, I always find it hard to do the, the bad in a win like that and an unexpected win. I think if there's uh, any kind of negatives to take out of the game, clearly Chad's injury is, is just tragic. Um, he's putting together a really... Probably his best patch of footy for the Hawks, or easily his best patch of footy for the Hawks. So really just feeling for Chad right now. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens now with his contracts and how they deal with um, potentially 12 months on the sidelines. Yeah, we so, we're going to get, we're yeah, get all to the, that shortly. So, yeah, obviously that's that's the worst thing to come out of that game. You know, we let the dogs back in. Uh, we were well on top of them there in that third, third, uh, third quarter and kind of open the door ajar for them to to come steamrolling at us. Um, luckily, you know, as, as opposed to the Richmond game, we, we staved off that attack. And I, I think Sammy has definitely drilled that into to the team, that sort of uh, level of uh, resilience, I guess, when teams are, are coming hard at them. But uh, they should never have got within three points of us at the at the end of the game. And, given us the scare that they did. It was, we, we were just absolutely all over them. So um, I think the scoreline flattered them for sure. I thought that third quarter was as... Um, I've seen it written elsewhere. I thought the third quarter, Hawthorne, was arguably Hawthorne's best quarter of the year. Not because they... I mean, they kicked two goals to none into the win. I mean, that's pretty sound effort as it is. But I just thought they 
the tempo of football they played, the control of the ball they had. They basically played keepings off a very talented team, denied them the football. It was whatever the plan was, uh, it was executed to the to the letter, to the with the eyes and the uh, and the T's crossed, the eyes dotted and the T's crossed. It was a fantastic quarter of football, and that showed to me the maturity of the side. And even when the Bulldogs were coming home late in the last quarter, um, Phil Hawthorne was in control. And he, again, when, when it got to that final two minutes, I know we were, uh, Hawthorne were helped a bit by Tim English taking the kick out, but I thought Hawthorne had the last two minutes controlled beautifully. And it was that level of composure. Quite remarkable, Daddy, in the space of three weeks when they're having a complete meltdown against Richmond. If that played like that against Richmond, they would have won by five goals. Um, to control the last quarter, that third quarter, and then to, again, the last couple of minutes of the game when the Bulldogs were coming at them, I just showed, just showed the enormous steps the team's taken in the last few weeks. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, to be able to weather those storms and, and uh, not capitulate, I think it shows immediate maturity uh, as a team and as a list. And, um, you know, clearly... Um, conversations were had post that Richmond game as they should have been um, and to see our leaders stand up and change the tempo of the of the game change the pace of the game at the times in the Pies game and, and also in the Bulldogs game when they were on top I think is just a really really impressive sign this early into the journey so um, that's definitely something that can be built on and that's definitely something that they can take away from this season so in terms of the, um, we like to talk about the viewing experience. It was, I guess, for, I think for most of us, a, a game viewed on TV. It was interesting to watch the uh, the Fox footy commentary. Uh, never quite sure when Brad Johnson, who's a great, great guy, John, one of the nicest people in footy, but uh, you sort of wonder whether it's going to be the Bulldogs' uh, home team broadcast initially when the commentary started. But I think as the game went on, uh, as they were quite um, quite complimentary of the Hawks. They were, and uh, it's just been interesting to see the media post-game also getting back on the Hawks bandwagon. Um, I think we made a few points there in the recap about, you know, Nathan Buckley claiming Jai and, uh, you know, a few, a few Rob, commentators Rob, Rob saying we're the best, the best, team best team out of the eight. So people are take, taking notice of these, of these young Hawks, and I think a, a lot of people who... Uh, aside from Damo, um, who wrote them off at the start of the season, even Luke, that Luke Hodge clip's been doing the rounds where he um, said that they were going to finish last. I think a lot of people are eating humble pie um, and acknowledging how wrong they were uh, about about this team. So it's it's been really refreshing, and I've actually enjoyed the footy media this week. I think it's probably the first time that I've actually watched some of the shows. Most of the shows focus, as they do, on how uh, the Bulldogs have just bottled it, but... There are a few little glimpses of uh, of Hawks' vision and excitement um, from what I saw. And Danny, you broke the news on our WhatsApp group. I say, I can't find the announcement anywhere. You said that Will Day's one goal of the week. He has, yeah. I saw it on Twitter. Um, yeah, his little balk and I break through the pack and balk and then steady and finish uh, was named goal of the week just this afternoon. So that's a that's a good one. I think I think we've had better than Sam Kerr. That's yeah, yeah. I think we. She just missed the cutoff point. That's the only issue there. Does um, I think we've had like three of them now this year, which is a which is a fair effort. It's funny. I actually would have thought the best goal of the game actually thought was John Eucup's first out of the middle. That was just imperious. That was just get out of my way. 
I'm the best player on the ground and I'm going to kick the goal. I, I mean, Days was, was great and it was you know, through traffic and a high degree of difficulty, but there was something about John Newcomb's goal. That's the one that uh, I reckon would have got a lot of people out of the seat. For sure. I mean, it got me out of mind. So, um, but yeah, like there's not many of, there's not many of our midfielders that have uh, the leg in them um, to kick it from 55 on the run. And he did it with ease. Uh, it was a very good, very good goal and, and very sort of um, poetic way to stamp, you know, his authority on the game. He clearly was the best man on the ground. So the good news out of the weekend, tempered slightly by um, Boxer losing at home. They don't lose too many games on their uh, beautiful, precious patch of dirt, but they did so on Saturday. Um, it was Footscray, 11-10-76. It feels good to say Footscray for a person of my vintage. Beating the Box Hill Hawks, 8-8-56. Three goals to uh, Fergus Green, Bennett, Brockman, Meek, Porter and Thorpe. Also getting goals in terms of stats. Um, Bramble, 28. Mesquite, uh 24. Phillips, 23 of the Hawthorne players. Husswaite, 20. Um, McKenzie, 19. Bennett, 18. Sarong, 16. Jekker, 15. Long, 15. Stevens 15. So... Danny, uh, Box Hills, your account. Uh, how's their season shaping up? And what what is the ceiling, do you think, for this Box Hill team for the rest of the season? Well, I think the biggest question mark around this Box Hill team is who's actually going to play come finals time. Because there's been so much movement in and out of the Hawthorne side um, of late. Um, it's hard to know who's going to be available. It's hard to know who's qualified. Um, they don't make it like super clear there. So, you know, that's probably the first thing is is knowing, um, you know, who they're going to actually have to pick from. Uh, and then and then after that, it's, <clears throat> does Box Hill actually turn up? Because, um, you know, the I didn't get to watch all of that Box Hill game, but the parts I did watch, they were pretty ordinary, to be perfectly honest. And uh, I think a little bit, sometimes they rely uh, far too much on, on too few. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a recipe for uh, disaster when it comes to the finals. So... Um, they also need to have one of these key forwards playing because if they don't and they're relying on Fergus Green to kick the bags of goals, he's not the number one forward and he shouldn't be the number one forward, even for Box Hill. So, um, you know, I think the other <clears throat> tough thing for Box Hill is they drafted Clay Tucker um, in the in the mid-season draft and they have an obligation to play him. But when you've got Ramsden and Meek already playing, there's no real spot for Tucker. So he ends up taking a key forward spot uh, and he just doesn't have that in him. Um, I noticed that Box Hill playing tomorrow night. So a bit of Friday night footy action down at the home of the AFLW Hawks at Connect Stadium in Frankston. So um, if people want footy for a Friday night and Colin the Brisbane doesn't cut it for them, head down to Frankston to see the Box Hill Hawks play. I have not seen the team. It's tricky one for their team because the Hawthorne have got a squad to name. The Box Hill have got a team to name um, and play tomorrow night. So I'm not quite sure how that all works, Danny, in terms of what what they do. Yeah, the Hawks will just carry over the squad and um, Box Hill will go in underband. It's uh, it's happened before. It's not ideal. Ed Sill had a chat to Daz and I at the start of the year about how some of the fixturing really uh, obstructs the the aligned teams and this is one of those occasions because you know Hawthorne hasn't even finalised its uh, its twenty two or twenty three let alone um and if, if they're going to carry over a sub so um yeah it, 
it's uh, it's a bit of an awkward one and there's not much that Box Hill can do about it. They're just going to have to pick who they can and try and get the job done. At least, not at least, um, you know, they're playing against a standalone team. So regardless, they should have the talent to win that game anyway, even if there are a few extra players missing than, than normal. But interesting because Hawthorne's main training session is tomorrow ahead of the Melbourne game and Box Hill playing tomorrow night. So I'm not sure what they'll do. I mean, it'll be a below it won't be the full squad training because the guys who are playing for Box Hill won't uh, won't do a full training session hours before they're gonna play. So I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it's a it's a manageable uh, problem for Hawthorne, but it's, you're right, it's not ideal. A two day break between games is not the way they want to go. Anyway, good luck to Box Hill. I hope they get back on the winners list tomorrow night and it's that game. Nothing else we can all enjoy the live stream while we're tucking into Friday night dinner, wherever that might be. Brad, you've been very quiet because you actually had a weekend off watching Hawthorne last weekend. You were involved in a uh, in a wedding, I believe. Um, how have you enjoyed the bonhomme around the Hawks the last few days? Uh, it's been excellent. Yes, I had a wedding, but I have watched it back. It was a wonderful. You watched the wedding uh, back or the football back? No, the football. I saw the football. Jai's goal, I agree with you, Ash. That spin... And pirouette through uh, the middle was lovely uh, to see. I thought, um, yeah, the third quarter was brilliant, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, so it was really good to win, you know, two in a row against two quality teams. Two teams, you know, that have had the wood over us in the last couple of years. Um, but, yeah, it was good to see. I know you touched on chat. I'm sure we're going to touch on chat again now as what does the future hold, um, which was really upsetting because, you know, he'd put together a wonderful six weeks of uh, football. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. We'll discuss Chad now. That's sort of almost next on the agenda. So, Hawks have a decision to make. Um, Chad Wingard, uh, terrible Achilles injury, went down like all people do with Achilles, like he'd been shot. Um, he left the ground. It's pretty clear straight away what the injury was. Out of contract at the end of the season, was playing his best putting together almost as good a patch of form. That was the end of 2021 when he played quite well, but this was the equal of that. And a sort of dip, different role, a, a less flashy, more team-oriented role, but supporters and the players and the club are really getting great enjoyment and satisfaction out of the footy he's been playing. And Achilles is somewhere between nine to 12 months, depending on the rehab. Chad, I think it is fair to say he's not the fastest rehabber. If, if, if the injury is it's a three-week injury with Chad, chances are he'll be out for four. But that's also just a player being very careful and understanding his body. So I'm not saying that in a particularly pejorative way. I'm just that that is the fact when it comes to Chad Wingard. So even though the prescribed recovery is between nine and twelve months, with Chad it would you would err on the side of being closer to twelve, which would effectively rule him out for next season unless the pleasantly unthinkable happens, uh, gentlemen, that Hawthorne actually in finals contention they decide to bring him back as a wild card late in the season. But the bigger question, of course, is whether he's going to meet the club at all. So I just want to throw it around to each of you very briefly. What your thoughts are with Chad going forward? Starting with you, Danny. Uh, look, I think it's uh, it's a flip of a coin at this stage, and that's not me sitting on the fence. But um, I, if it was up to me, I think this was suggested by one of our listeners on Twitter. I would probably give him a, a minimum minimum contract, keep him on the list. Uh, put him on the long-term injury injury list uh, straight away. Open up a spot for the SSP and um, and and bring in another rookie that way. 
Um, you then protect that relationship you have with Chad. Uh, you look after him through his rehab. He, he does his rehab at the club. Uh, you keep a, a senior figure around uh, and you still sort of doesn't prohibit you from, from, from bringing somebody else in and having a look at them that way. So that would be what I do. Uh, whether that's what the Hawks do, I couldn't tell you. Des? Yeah, it's hard to argue with that, Danny. I think that's that's exactly what they should probably do and it's probably the right, the right thing to do. I, I think... Had he not played his best patch of footy for the Hawks, um, I wonder if we'd be having this conversation and I wonder if the Hawks internally would be having this conversation. It seems very, very cruel to let a player go uh, in this state, I guess. But uh, footy is a very cruel game and um, it'll be just I just don't know how this is going to play out. But I think Danny's scenario makes the most sense to me. What do you think, Brad? Yep, agree with uh, the boys, but as Daz said, it's brutal. And Sam, as we know, is not afraid to make the brutal calls. I think they'll give him an extra year, but the bigger problem is is if Tyler Brockman goes, we are in a world of hurt because we don't have a replacement uh, for Chad. Um, Sam Butler hasn't come on as we all hoped. Um, I don't think he is in the best 22 or 23. He certainly doesn't deserve to be in the side come round one next year. Uh, we've got Bennett and O'Sullivan, who we drafted last year, who obviously aren't uh, uh, ready yet. So the timing couldn't have been uh, worse for Chad's injury with all the reports that Tyler Brockman's headed back to WA. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, as Ash touched on, Chad's got a bad at injury at history. So he's going to miss definitely more than nine uh, months. It'd be very surprising if he plays at all next year. He is only 30, but, you know, if he misses all of next year, he's probably not going to be playing footy till he's late 31 at early 32. So tough, tough call for the, uh, you know, for the Lister management team. But it's a position that we have lacked depth in over the last few years and next year is going to be even worse. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I wrote this in the uh, recap article. I'll say it here as well. If you're calling yourself the family club, and I'm on record saying I don't think Hawthorne deserves to call itself a family club, or they should put the title to rest for a little while, because I think some of the recent accidents would suggest they're not. Um, however, if you're calling yourself the family club, you've got to uh, you've, you've got to carry that out. So I would be very disappointed if they didn't keep Chad Wingard on a some sort of contract. It'll be a reduced contract, obviously, for 12 months. Keep him in the fold. He is. Uh, a mentor and a leader to the Indigenous players of the club. And I think he's uh, a different cat, clearly. But I would be really sad to see the Hawks sort of cut him off now at a time when he, when he will need the support of the footy club. And, and we'll deal with 2025 at the appropriate time to uh, give him a chance to rehab within the confines of the footy club. I think that is a smart way to go. And I hope it is the way they go. But what that does, uh, gentlemen, and if anyone's going comment on chat or anything, please jump on. We're very happy to uh, have a few more voices tonight. My uh, other question then is a player that um, in free agency is likely to be out there is a guy from St Kilda called Jade Gresham. Um, one of the 847,000 trade-related podcasts that are there this week suggested that he's looking to play at some more footy on the MCG. So that suddenly ticks the box of Hawthorne, you know, with their eight or nine games. They are, 
they have on that ground. Um, Danny, should Hawthorne revisit uh, someone like Jade Gresham now that uh, they're not going to get anything out of um, Chad Wingard? Uh, it's an interesting question. I, I get the feeling he's Carton. He just has Carton written all over him, uh, I reckon. But, um, but I mean, Gresham wouldn't be the, the worst option predominantly because he would come without having to give up any draft assets. So um, that would be the, the intrigue with Gresham. I think the issue with free agency is that you tend to overpay. And while I was happy to slightly overpay on somebody like Carl Amon when you know the sort of um, production you're going to get from them, uh, the issue, the biggest issue I have with Gresham is that his production is wildly fluctuates, uh, and that you know that that's really that's really hard in a developing team when you've got senior players. You want to be able to count on them. You want to be able to sort of set your watch to what they're going to give you week in week out. And Gresham's just wildly inconsistent. So. Um, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't love it. I'd be pretty meh about it if we if we were to end up chasing Jay Gresham. Uh, Dad's got a view. What's uh, Darren Minchington up to? Is he, <laughs> is he still playing? <laughs> um, I don't really like take, taking discarded players from St Kilda. If I'm being honest, I just think um, you know Chad's Chad's a pretty difficult person to replace in in a lot of respects. Um, you know, but I, I'd I'd prefer to put the development into to Sam Butler and have someone like Bennett's as his understudy. I think Sam Butler playing is a, a, been in and out of the side all year, and I think having giving him a decent run at it in a, another so called development year. And, I, and as much as we are excited about the past couple of games, I think we have to look at next year as a development year as well. And drafting someone like maybe you know Nick the Wizard Watson and. Uh, and then rebuilding the Ford stocks from from what we have already, rather than just trying to take discarded players from other clubs. Let's have a think, Dad. Uh, Dad, does it? Uh, sorry, uh, Danny. Does it make the Wizard come on? To, uh, do they change their focus at the draft to the Wizard if he's available? Uh, possibly. Um, I think you know he is very clearly the best small, pure small forward in the draft, and he will be available in and around picks three to five, which is where the Hawks will end up picking. Um, so he might be an option. He might be off the board already, or they may want to go with somebody or a bit more sort of AFL-proven size. Um, look, I've got some question marks around Nick Watson. I'm hoping they're all proven uh, wrong, but uh, we just don't have... He's a basically a prototype of his type of player because we, we don't have any... Um, you know, there's no runs on the board for a 170-centimetre small forward taken that high in the draft. So, um, you know, normally the, the small small forwards, the small defenders that are that small get picked up late in the draft or as a rookie. So um, taking him with a, a high-end pick where you absolutely have to nail those picks uh, would be a risk for me. I, to be honest, if it's if it's you want to go as a forward, I'd be going Xavier, uh, Zane Dersma. I think he's, he's going to start his career as a forward uh, he'll probably transition into a midfielder. He's 190 centimetres, not a small forward, but he is uh, very mercurial and he kicks kicks goals, uh, takes big marks and uh, can kick him in a variety of ways. But um, but potentially it, it makes uh, Nick Watson uh, more appealing to the Hawks for sure. Yeah, a bit of the talk around um, is that Essendon are into Ben Mackay, but not at the 
salary figure, which would mean they get uh, North gets pick three as a compensation pick. Now, pick three for Ben Mackay, who has serially underachieved his entire career, would be absolutely criminal, don't you think, Brad? Absolutely, but if the Bombers are willing to pay, and from what I've been told, Ben Mackay is going to be at the Bombers next year. Uh, unfortunately, those uh, yeah, the, the AFL will find a way to give North Melbourne pick three, which, as you said, is an absolute joke. And there's that other... They're also going to get that other player, I think... Um, Sa- Sanders. R- Riley Sanders, yeah. Riley Sanders as well. So another big haul for North Melbourne again at the draft table. But as we've seen over the last few years, unfortunately for North Melbourne, it doesn't guarantee uh, success. So it's an interesting uh, watch. I'm... Uh, I don't love uh, Gresham, but in my opinion, he'd be, he'd walk straight into our team and start round one uh, next year. Some may I disagree, but I'd have him over Sam uh, Butler uh, any day as a top five draft pick. Uh, sometimes players just need a change of scenery, and I reckon Sam Mitchell's the type of coach that would get the best out of uh, Gresham. And without Chad, I think it'd be a really good uh, replacement for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm open to Gresham now, much, much more than I was. He's mercurial. He's a mercurial player. He can also be a burst, like Chad used to be uh, till this year. Yeah, of course, be a burst midfielder for you know one or two uh, centre bounces, a quarter sort of thing. So I'm open to the idea. Be, as he becomes a free agent, it doesn't affect Hawthorne's draft hand all that much. Um, it might affect Hawthorne's strategy a little bit um, going forward because um, this was supposed to have one more draft. And you know, a bit of trade work at the fringes before it's really starting to hit the trade and the free agency at the end of 2024. But um, things change, and you've got to you've got to be very fluid in the way you are thinking. So that's the big one going forward. Now the other part I want to talk about, which sort of mold meshes into team selection because it's been picked, is Tyler Brockman. And until Chad went down, um, the question most Hawthorne supporters had, Darren was. Do we play Brockman for the last two games if they know he is departing the club at the end of the year? Or do you use those two games, those last two, three games, whatever it is, to put time into to have a, have a look at Bennett's or to you know get Butler another game? But uh, as it turns out, they've picked Brockman. I think the uh, absence of Wingard has tipped their hand a bit. But uh, are you happy to see Brockman? Or do you think if his mind's made up, uh, he should be just wallow at Box Hill? Or even not play at all to make sure he doesn't get injured to increase the chances of being able to do some sort of trade. Yeah, it will look, I mean, his, his body language and attitude um, over the past few weeks has been pretty disappointing to see. He's just kind of moped around and hasn't been his productive and um, exciting self. So uh, I don't think he's really deserved his recall, even based on his performance for Box Hill. Um, and I think it's just one of those situations where, their hands being forced a little bit. Um, and I think maybe they want to put him in the shop window and, and, and run the risk of him getting injured if, 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 if that is something that happens. I think they just want to maybe remind everyone what he's capable of. But again, he needs to bring uh, a different sort of attitude and mindset to the game because um, I think he's, he's, his mind's in Perth. Uh, it, just, it just feels that way. Maybe it's a cousin going out with a bang. Who knows? Hello, Mick. Good evening. Hi, Ash, guys. Yeah, the, the uh, Brockman one's an interesting one because if you look at the Box Hill side, they've actually named Husswaite out of the list of the um, the interchange bench or emergencies, whatever you want to call them. He's the only one that's been named. 
So if you look, I think DGB and CMAC are probably the two that get picked automatically. Then I've got a view that um, with Lewis out, they'll play Ramsden as the second ruck option because when Cozzy went into the ruck against English, uh, we, we got smashed. And that's that bit in the last quarter when they got their bit of a run on. So I think Ramsden might come in, particularly if they play Grundy. And that then leaves Ryan, Sarong, or Long and Brockman as the other. Um, now, whether they play Brockman as the sub, that might be the option for a bit of um, explosiveness. But it's interesting how they've, they've actually picked the side this week, I think. Yeah. Because Melbourne aren't that big. And we've got a heap of height in, you know, on, the, um, on the bench, so to speak. Um, it's so, quite interesting. Yeah, so the, and probably got a shocking review too in the Box Hill game. Yeah, terrible. So the ins have arrived: Husswaite, Sarong, Ramsden, Long, Brockman, out. McDonald the sub uh, from last week. Surprising, Wingate injured and Lewis injured. Bit of talk on one of the message boards that uh, Newcomb saw, but I don't know whether that. Uh, I guess uh, they'll come out of training tomorrow. Whether he, if he doesn't train uh, tomorrow, that word will spread pretty quickly. I think. Um, if Newcomb doesn't train, then he won't play. But that was just one floated on one, one of the message boards today. So today was a day off. We'll know more, I think, tomorrow. Uh, let's get into selection. Um, what, just on that, Ash, if I can. Yeah. Wednesday he did train, but he did do some running on his own towards the end. They had the dad stay. Yeah, so that. He, he did a little bit of running on his own. He seemed to be moving all right. Yeah, I'd be staggered. I mean, as, as uh, Andrew Weiss said when I threw this up on our WhatsApp group, he said, was he... But, he might he might be he might have a case of leather poisoning because that might be the only uh, that might be the only uh, condition that would keep him out of playing this week. But we'll wait and see. They train tomorrow. Nothing stays uh, quite footy for long if uh, by tomorrow afternoon the murmurs are out there, as they say, where there's smoke, there's blue cod. Danny, what did you want to say about selection? We've got a few uh, comments out there that we'll get to shortly. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, firstly, this is uh, not my wheelhouse. This is our, our very own chairman of selectors wheelhouse, but. I found the, the ins really interesting and the outs interesting. I mean, obviously, Mitch Lewis uh, is injured. You can't help that. But Bailey McDonald, after having a, a relatively decent game, being dropped completely is really strange. I, I wonder if that's uh, because he's eligible for Box Hill, playing a Box Hill kind of thing. Um, uh, I, I thought that um, the way that they picked the, the tools to come in and you know, they gave, they give nothing away in the way that they select the players on the field. So having Denver Granger, Barras, Brandon Ryan and Max Ramson all on the extended bench is very interesting because, you know, they can't all play in the one team. Um, and I, I put in our WhatsApp group that um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Denver Granger, Barras is the one that misses out. I think, I think Brandon Ryan would have played last week ahead of, well, he would have played last week ahead of Denver if he wasn't... Uh, Sick, and if he's well enough to play, I think they'll want to get him back into the team. Uh, he's the MCG, his... MCG specialist, Brandon. Yeah, Ryan. that's right. Kicked three goals in his in his last game for the Hawks, so uh, he's he's in some form, and he's a tricky matchup, and I think he'll help. But I, I, I kind of tend to agree with Mick. I think they'll play Granger, Barras, and and uh, and Ryan, and then they'll play Ramson as a second ruck because. Um, for the, for the reason that last week Cozzy was the chop-out Ruckman, but if he's going to be our number one forward and without Lewis, that's how it looks, then there can't be an expectation that he also chops out in the Ruck. That that would be a ridiculous ask of, of somebody. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's, it's just primed for a really interesting selection 
uh, final selection tomorrow. But uh, it, it, it asked me, in my mind, I, my mind had all sorts of questions after seeing that team named. So, um, Brad, given that we're now full-on um, full looking at the game, uh, Finn Lotto for this week. This is a tough question. I think he's going to get a few. I think Connor Nash will have to go to Petraka, uh, play a similar role. He's played on Bont. Um, I don't think we'll tag Petraka. He's, he's similar to Bont. He's not a taggable uh, player, and he also goes forward. Um, Oliver's the other one, but Finn doesn't often tag an inside midfielder. So he might get one of their halfbacks. Either Christian, uh, Christian Salem could be one. He tagged Langdon last year and absolutely killed him, but Langdon hasn't had a good year. Uh, Lockie Hunter's probably been a better winger for Melbourne this year, but I don't think he'll tag Hunter. So it's interesting. I'm going to go with, I think he'll, I think he'll spend time on Salem across halfback. I think uh, Oliver is the one at inside. Oliver came back last week against Carlton having missed 12 weeks. He started slowly, but his second half was unbelievable. Um, Oliver's the one um, that I think he'll probably spend a bit of time on, but I think he'll have a bit of a rotation. As he did against the Bulldogs last week, he spent time on uh, probably three or four of their players. So I'll go with a mix of Clayton and Oliver and Salem. And I think Finn, uh, not Finn, I think Connor Nash is going to get the whole game on uh, Christian Petrarca. The player I don't want to see play particularly well against Hawthorne is Lockie Hunter, who did that uh, ordinary act in the first time around this year when he was off the ground pacing the boundary while on the interchange bench and he lunged at a Hawthorne player who was on the ground. Um, don't know what his thinking was, or he was trying to put him off, or he was. He was, verb- he was verbaling or something. It was a big ordinary act. And uh, I think he got his right whack from the MRP, got a fine or whatever it was. But it was just a, an act of a player who thought uh, an arrogant act of a... He obviously didn't think much of Hawthorne at the time and thought we can get away with this against a weak team. So let's hope if he uh, does play that uh, he gets stitched up in a, in a legal sort of way. That was a, a, a very disappointing act. Now, given the Hawks have played Melbourne, we may as well just, the other thing I want to talk about, uh, and then after that we'll get uh, some tips and we'll get some questions, um, is, so Sam Frost has also been a subject of discussion. He's out for the, he won't play again this year because of a foot injury. They're the tin foil hat wearers amongst the Hawthorne supporter base, of which there are many, are saying that uh, they've shut him down for the season because... He's going to be put up for trade, and they don't want to jeopardise him getting injured. And there might be, uh, and they send you a, a theory that Clarko, who loves the Hawthorne offcuts and has a close relationship with uh, Frost, might seem as the ideal player to bring to North Melbourne in that sort of leadership, mentoring role. Um, that he sort of played Hawthorne for a while. Given how well the Hawthorne backline has played in the last couple of weeks, gentlemen, is there a what what does Hawthorne do with Sam Frost? He's, who's also under contract for next season, it must be said. So do you think we play for Hawthorne uh, come the start of next season, Danny? Uh, that's a very good question, Ash. I mean, I'm in two minds. I, I wouldn't have him in our starting 22 next year. Um, but you do or you don't, but you, you dropped that one sec. Sorry? Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't, ha- I wouldn't have him in our starting try. 22. No, um... My, my apologies. Um, but what I what I would say is, without replacing him with a, a a player that is ready to come in and play AFL football, it leaves us very light in terms of key defenders. We obviously know 
that, you know, barring something ridiculous, uh, Will McCabe will join the Hawthorne list, but he's like 75 kilos ringing wet um, and will take a couple of years to sort of uh, get up to the speed and physicality of AFL football. So, um, you know, if, if somebody like a Sam Frost as your senior key defender goes down, who do you replace him with? So uh, I would probably keep him on the list with the proviso that, He's only playing in emergency and um, and just playing at Box Hill. Jazz? Uh, what's Kyle Hardigan up there? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, I think Clarker may, may have his eye on Kyle Hardigan, bringing him back. But um, oh, we, look, I mean, it, the backline has seemed so settled without Frosty, and I, I, I'm not a I'm not a Frosty apologist, and I'm not a Frosty hater. I think he. He's a great defender when he when you know the, the obviously the heart in mouth moment when he has the ball. I can't see him playing a full year at Box Hill as, as a backup defender. I think he's probably too good a uh, a player to to just end his career just as a bit part uh, player in a, in, in a team. So I think he probably will seek a move if that's if that's what Sammy's got planned for him next year. And I actually think Sammy really rates him. Um, and 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 he he's a senior leader in the group, and I can't really see him playing anywhere else, but uh, but the Hawks next year. And I think, you know, for better or worse, he's probably going to be a fixture in that back line. Brad, where you on the cross train? Nah, Sammy, thank you for your service, mate. Take the future fourth round pick and run. If North Melbourne lose McKay, like they probably will, he is. He's gone to the Bombers. I can absolutely see Clarko making a play to bring him to North, especially with his uh, leadership for the senior players. Sam Mitchell will have a plan up his sleeve. We know he's a genius coach. He'll move uh, uh, the magnets around. I don't know what uh, the solution is. We might be targeting someone uh, from another team, but I'd be very surprised if um, Frosty is on our list next year. I know he is uh, contracted, but as Daz touched on, the team has looked a lot better without him in the side. I like him. He comes across as a great guy. He's a leader. But um, I just think looking forward, I don't think um, there's a spot for Sam Frost in our side in 2024 and beyond. By the way, Sam Mitchell will do his weekly media conference tomorrow. He will be asked a question about list management. It might be about Frost. It may be about... Uh, Brockman or Wingar or something like that, and he'll say he'll defer to Mark McKenzie and the list manager team. I don't really get involved in that. Uh, you know, I'll just coach the side and the, the list manager guys will take care of that at the end of the season. That, Brad, as we know, is an absolute barefaced lie, isn't it? Sam Mitchell controls everything. He is he's a list manager as well as the coach. Absolutely, and he has actually spoken about it. I know. Last season and the year before, he was often seen at the under-18s. He was heavily involved, um, you know, during our draft time and our trade stuff. So, absolutely, he's involved. He's not... He doesn't come across as crazy as uh, Clarko did. But, yeah, Sam has his fingerprints all over our uh, list. But I think him and Mark work really well uh, together. And I think they're a really good uh, combo. But, yeah, Sam... Um, knows what that he wants, and he's going to be the one that makes the final large uh, decisions for sure. Absolutely. So that's something to look out for. That work has already started and will continue to happen. Uh, 
we're going to both finish this quite soon because it's uh, been a bit of a thin night, and I think we've all got Matilda's fatigue as well. Um, quickly, uh, prediction of margin for Sunday at the MCG, 3.20pm. I think it's a replacement game as well for Hawthorne, so there should be a reasonable turnout of Hawthorne people in the crowd. Danny? Uh, without Mitch Lewis, I think it's going to be hard to kick a winning score. I'm going to say the D's by 27 points. Des? Yeah, I think, um, it's, yeah, again, with Mitch Lewis out and then also not having a bit of a, you know, six changes, I think. The continuity in the team has been a reason why we've been playing so well the past few rounds. So, uh, unfortunately, it's the D's by 16. Bradley? Yeah, Melbourne are going to win this game by quite a lot. I think we'll play reasonably well, but we just don't have the talent to kick a winning score. I think we'll be tied after the last two weeks. Melbourne are playing for a top two spot. So uh, I think Melbourne are going to win this one by six or seven goals. I've got the D's by about three goals. We're really looking forward to seeing how um, the Hawthorne midfield go against Melbourne midfield. And... Uh, with uh, when guys like uh, Jack Viney start throwing his muscle around to see how the Hawthorne guys respond. It's going to be really fascinating. They let themselves badly down badly with their start against Melbourne last time around. After after the start, they, they, they played some pretty good footy. I remember that third quarter when actually Hawthorne got in a bit of a roll and played played really well. Uh, Weddle kicked his first goal. That was one of the highlights. So I think Hawthorne equipped themselves well. A bit worried about without Mitch Lewis in the side. He's one of the three or four most important players in the side. I think, Brad, you touched on this. We're going to have to have a chat about Mitch Lewis and his durability going forward. It just seems to me he can't get more than 15, 16 games a season. Uh, we've touched on it before. I think we'll have to revisit it again down the track. So let's get to some questions and observations. Um, from Phineas, who is a regular to the spaces, he's here listening every week. Great to have a point here. What's the point of a player re-signing specifically for members? They give you a 15, 30-second video saying, Hi, Hawks members, it's Player X. I'm really happy to say I've re-signed for another two years. Hope to see it at the footy. Then an hour later, it's announced to the media. Darren, marketing, it's your account. Oh, I mean, we live in an era where content is king. And, um, you know, Hawthorne has uh, interest in growing its social following. And that's how you do it, by, by controlling your own news cycle and, breaking your own stories and uh, the, it may seem like a little win to get that for, you know, the, the, the two hours while the mainstream footy media is maybe covering something else, Richmond or Collingwood re- related, but uh, it's, a, it's a win for the club um, having that sort of content up. I can never get those videos to open on my iPhone for whatever reason. I must be pressing the wrong button. But, yeah, it's just a, a nice feel-good thing. But, um, you know, the club can't, you know, club likes to be, to be likes to be known as communicating. Certainly, that was a big mantra of the Andrew Gowers uh, uh, ticket that he would uh, be more open in his communication to members. So, this is all part of it, I think. From Greg, because he's two years younger than Mitch and he's probably at the same level as Mitch was at the same age. Good point. I imagine Cosy will be around next season and they'll give him and Lewis one more season together to bed down as the sort of the key focal points of the Hawthorne forward line, which doesn't preclude them from drafting a player like uh, Dersma or from going out and seeing anyone available through the trade as well. Uh, from Hawk 12, if you're taking the Wizard, then go back a few spots as I believe he'll still be there at pick five to eight. Danny? 
Uh, well, the reality is we'll probably be picking at pick five. So um, I think he'd probably be right around that mark. I don't think you'd, if you really wanted him, I don't think you'd take the risk of moving back at all um, just in case somebody comes in and takes him. So, what? yeah, I think... No, they won't be pick five. Essendon might get... I don't think North are going to get pick three because <laughs> I don't think Essendon is going to pay enough money to Mackay to warrant be pick three. Talk well, I think more likely I think, in the first round. Yeah, well, I think if you listen to Brady Rawlings at North Melbourne, um, he was suggesting in, in an episode of Gettable with Cal and Riley that basically they will be, the, the Roos will be keeping a very close eye on what the compensation is. Uh, and my takeaway from that was if it's not um, after their first round pick, they're not interested in losing him. So um, I know Brad said his information is he'll be playing at Essendon, but I can't see that happening if uh, North only get an end of first round pick. That's that's not going to do it for him. You'd rather keep somebody like Ben Mackay then, I think. Well, that's what the argy bargy. That's what three weeks of trade radio is all for to to debate this every day. Awesome well, I can't wait. 12. Yeah, they. If you want to keep yourself sane, pick a two hour window of trade radio. Make that your window for the day, and then ignore it the rest of the day. Sorry, Brad. I know our employer produces it, but. Uh, does your head and if you listen to Trade Radio for a couple of hours a day. Hawk 12, they chasing Kai Lohman from the Lions, I believe. Yes, I've heard that. Do you know much about him, uh, Danny? Yeah, he's um, he's a, a spring-heeled sort of um, small medium forward. He um, plays um, sort of high half forward, can play as a forward pocket. He's been kept out of the Lions team. He was very highly rated in his draft year um, and went in the late first round. He's been kept out of the... Lions team by some pretty handy small and medium forwards like Cam Rayner, Charlie Cameron, Lincoln McCarthy. So, um, you know, there's no disgrace in not getting games ahead of those guys. I think he'd come in and play pretty much straight away if they, uh, if the Hawks were chasing him. I think the biggest question would be, um, you know, what would they have to give up for him? And, um, you know, the, this time of the year, there's rumours around everybody. There's uh, There's been some speculation this week I've seen around Sam Flanders again, and he's a name I've been... Um, spruiking as uh, one that the Hawks should be chasing left, right and centre. He's obviously going to have a chat to Damien Hardwick before he does anything. But the word was if uh, Stuart Dew stayed, um, Flanders was going to leave. Oh, yeah. So that that's a real shame that Dew didn't stay because I think uh, somebody like Flanders as a goal-kicking mid would have been perfect for this Hawthorne list. Don't quote me on this, but I think Kyle Lohman also has one major prerequisite that he... One box that he ticks to be traded to Hawthorne. And what is that, Danny? Oh, is he a Hawthorne supporter? Yeah, I think he was a Hawthorne supporter. So. <laughs> I think I read that somewhere once. Anyway, we'll I, I think, actually, I feel, I feel like now that you mentioned I feel like you might be right. I think he was a Hawthorne supporter. So there you go. So we're just trying to get the band back together. From Ivan, the player that comes in as small forward is the Wizard. Nick Watson with pick three in the draft. Best small forward since the Magic Man, Cyril. Well, there haven't been many like Cyril since, and there are apparently not many like Watson, so you could well be right. Um, Walk also more like a take Nick Watson in the draft now. I think although Xavier Jersey are pushing up hard, I know we have no bargaining power really, but I think we should be negligent not to ask for Ryan Marich or Liam Ryan for for Brockman. Uh, what do you think of that, Brad? Uh, Marich, no. Um, I know he's been okay. He was the mid-season pickup for the Eagles. Um, who was the other one? Liam, Liam Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, well, we know there was talk a few weeks ago he was in town. Um, I think he was in town to get the Brockman. Milk. I think that's the yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> that was a conversation. I think, I think he asked the, to yeah. 
no, I think our supporters got a bit excited thinking he was here. Um, uh, Tyler was, you know, trying to get him here, which would make, which would mean our uh, Brockman stays. Um, I don't think the Eagles are going to get rid of uh, Liam Ryan. I think he's still in the age bracket. For them, they're going to be a rebuilding side. They're probably three years behind where, you know, three years behind us. Um, and I think, unfortunately, Brocky's going to be back playing uh, in West Coast for, um, yeah, with uh, Ryan. I think uh, a best case scenario, we probably get a third round draft pick for Brockman, which I think is uh, unders, even though he hasn't played great footy, but he's got the potential. So I think we're going to lose him for a third rounder. Yes. Um... I don't think we'll get second round because I, I think, you know, he's probably worthy of second round pick. I think because of the 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 the, the uh, potential for the preseason draft, Danny, mean that uh, West Coast could drive a fairly hard bargain. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also you'd probably get you might get a second rounder if you were trading him to somebody like Melbourne or where the second round is late in the second round uh, of the draft in in that second round. But um, West Coast second round picks like pick twenty, they're not going to be giving that up. No, that's true. Um, from Ben, exciting finish of the year is going to help with the general player attraction. Destination club again so- sooner rather than later. Darren, does Hawthorne fit the destination club bill just yet? Well, we're the best team outside the eight, aren't we, Ash? So, <laughs> absolutely. How can you? How can you? I don't think honestly, Liam Ryan was doing much courting for Brocky. I think Brocky's moving. If he is moving to, uh, back to WA for for very different reasons other than the state the state of the West Coast list, so I think Hawthorne absolutely is a destination club, and I think a lot of players would be looking at our age profile, our coach, the system we've got playing, the exciting brand of footy, um, and the players that are at the club currently, and, and the young players in the opportunities, and be going, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be part of that. So, yeah, the destination club is back. I reckon Hawthorne's recruiting at the end of the year. I remember in 2006, they recruited... Um, they weren't going for stars yet for other clubs, but the player they went out and got who... And I really wanted to come to Hawthorne when he, when he left Port Adelaide. was Brett Guerra, but he ended up going to St Kilda for a few years. Then he came to Hawthorne, and he was just the perfect sort of player for Hawthorne to recruit at the stage they were at. He wasn't a star, but he came and fitted a need. So I'd like to think if Hawthorne are going to be picking up a player from another club, it is someone like Aguera who's, you know, not a superstar of the competition, but will come in and fill a role. And Aguera did that from day one when he came to the club. He was, a, he was an outstanding player at Hawthorne. Um, as I said, um, Port Adelaide to St Kilda to Hawthorne, he was, he was great. So that's the sort of player they should be targeting from another club. Now they've got another year or two, then they can really start going for the, for the stars of the competition that want to make a move. Um, Sam will be on it. Uh, Nick makes a point. Sam is joining SEM Breakfast tomorrow. Um, he gets asked pretty good questions by Kane and Kingy. They're his number one or two fans now. So it always um, it always makes sense. Another one for you, um, Danny. Liam Henry looks like he's leaving. Do we give Brockman a straight swap? Well, Liam Henry is a player I, I really like and I've really liked since his draft year. Um, I... I think Liam Henry's second half of this season has been very good for Fremantle. But if he, if anybody heard him, he was on Yokai, Yokai Footy. Um, they, Andrew Cracker actually asked him about if he was going to sign a new deal and stay at Fremantle. He sounded like he had a foot out the door already. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some movement there. And, you know, the, you're talking about guys that can come in and, 
play a role, Ash, that might be the perfect one. So, um, you know, he's got beautiful skills. He's more of a wingman than he is a small forward, but he can definitely uh, definitely play as a small forward as well. So, um, yeah, like if that's the if that's if you're talking about what we can get for um, for Tyler Brockman, a straight spot swap for Lee and Henry probably works for both teams, to be honest. Um, and Patrick has said something about Dingley. Um, I think a quote from uh, Andrew Gowers from his left vendor last week. Uh, sounds like, yes, Patrick, it does sound like construction for Dingley is going to start reasonably soon, but I don't think they'll be getting there in any sort of hurry at all. AFLW cranks up again on Saturday. Hawks are playing a, a proper practice match against Melbourne at Casey Fields. I think it starts 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon, So and that'll be live streamed on the Hawthorne uh, on the Hawthorne app, I think, on the Hawthorne website. So we'll see how they go. Pick a pretty strong team, um, close to what would look like being their, their team for round one. So we look forward to that. We'll have a bit more of that in the lead-up to the start of the season. We'll get someone on in the spaces, hopefully, to have a chat about that and to fill us in on everything that they that we want to talk to before the end of... before that season starts, one season ending, another one starting. I think... Um, do we have anything else, um, Danny? We're just going to get a quick word from DS, Dan. Yes, me... from Dan Sheriff. Dan, just hello. as he as he connects. Connecting, connecting, connecting. What? Well, yes, Dan. Hello. Oh, so, sorry, guys. Was that me? Yeah. yeah. Welcome. Well, thanks, guys. Great show as usual. Um, I've really got three questions for you. The first one is I've heard a bit of talk about. Liam Ryan from the Eagles and also King from the Suns being linked to the Hawks. I just wondered if you've heard that doing the rounds. Um, next question, thinking ahead to 24, I would imagine 10 wins would be a pass mark with no ceiling. Just wondered if your train of thought was similar on that one. And lastly, might be a bit of controversy here, but um, CJ, is he now surplus to our needs all right we'll go through them all individually we've talked about some of these over time Liam Ryan we think he's not coming to Hawthorne we think the other way we think he might have been in town to maybe try and woo Brockman to the Eagles um Ben King to Hawthorne is doing the rounds a little bit at the moment um but I would find it very hard to think that uh the arrival of David Hardwick at Gold Coast would make would tempt anyone to want to leave that club. I think they'll all want to sign on for longer. But if you're desperate to get back to Victoria, the timing for Ben King, I think Brad would be perfect because Hawthorne will be rising. He's from Hampton, so Dingley will be just down the road. It'd be a short 10-minute drive. Step into the side as a key forward. Probably Hawthorne will, will shape. If he chooses to leave, if he's determined to come home in a couple of years, Hawthorne might be, uh, might be, the, might be the sweet spot for him. Absolutely. I, as you mentioned, Damien Hardwick going to the Suns is going to change a lot of players' minds on the Gold Coast who are you know, thinking about making uh, the move. I think he'll stay. He did recently, I think last year he signed um, quite a large contract. He's probably one of the highest paid players in the league. Um, I know he's really close with his family and there has always been talk that he's going to finish his career back home. But I think that's one for the end of 2024. I can't see anything happening this off-season. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think yeah, he'll sign he, another two-year deal, taking through to free agency in another three years, I yeah. think, and then he'll 
just off there. But by then, Hawthorne's plans are that the premiership window will be wide open and maybe a guy like Ben King coming in is the difference maker. But I always worry about chemistry for key forwards coming into a team that's right there at the, at the time. I mean, it worked with, Richard, with Tom Lynch, but it often doesn't work as well. So you've got to be really smart. You've just got to bring the bring in a key forward to a team that's on the cusp of the premiership can often uh, bring on more problems than they're worth. So they're going to be really, really clever and smart in what they do. Ten wins, Darren, next year. What do you think? Yeah, look, I think that's uh, definitely something to aim for. I think we all got really excited by the past couple of wins and some people thinking finals next year, but um, that would be an absolute bonus. I think 10 wins is is a great uh, and very achievable goal to aim towards. And then we build into season 2025 and that's the big finals push. So 10 wins next year feels like the, 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 the sort of minimum goal to aim for. There was that stat, Danny, that going around today, Hawthorne's midfield doing sort of stuff that the champion data is saying the Hawthorne midfield doing premiership quality stuff at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, it's a small, it's a small window that they've, they've taken the stats from, but um, I think it shows you where and how the Hawks are building their tilt at the next premiership. It's going to be built on quality of, of, of the midfield. And I think if you um, sort of take that into consideration, um, I wouldn't even be surprised if there was another another midfielder drafted high up in the draft again this year because, um, you know, the guys like Nash and, and Warple are probably more, this sounds a little bit bad, but probably more placeholders than they are um, foundation pieces of, of the next premiership tilt. But um, like my piece uh, that came out uh, recently, um, you know, you're looking for guys like Connor McDonald, Josh Ward, Cam McKenzie to sort of blossom into those next pieces. And you can never have enough high-end quality midfielders, but we've, we've already shown that we've built the foundations of a very a very quality midfield unit. And we're happy with Jazz. We've mentioned Jazz Wolf resigning for two years. I think it was a major surprise. I think Ever would be very happy with the way he's bounced back. He's playing some really good footy. Two years probably is the right outcome, I think, for player and club. Um, if it doesn't work out in a couple of years, he, that takes him to free agency. And, and then he can make a move that best works out for himself. And if he keeps playing the sort of footy he has been and keeps ascending and improving, Hawthorne will re-sign him again. Um, so I think well done to Warps. And he was in a funk this time last year. He was uh, damaged goods, wasn't he, uh, Darren? But uh, he's bounced back beautifully. Yeah, he has. And he's, he's earned that contract. And, you know, we're all pretty excited to to see that news this week. I think a lot of us had a hint that that, that, that was coming, but I think that backs up Danny's theory that, that Warps um, is a sort of placeholder, so to speak. Um, just the length of that contract indicates that for both player and club, it's 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 just a, you know, a, a wait and see and um, let's see how he, how he goes for the next couple of years before they, you know, it's a, a both parties get to make that decision. So definitely backs up Danny's theory. Yeah, it's good business, I think, for player and club. Last point from Dan was about CJ. Well, he's not best 23 at the moment because uh, he hasn't played since round nine and he wasn't playing particularly well before he uh, before he got injured. But uh, I think he's not the sort of player, for, as we've mentioned a couple of times here, the marketing department would burn down the grandstand away where the merchandising people would resign en masse if CJ wasn't at Hawthorne next year, he's the, arguably the most marketable player at the football club. I'd like to see him play further up the ground on the wing next year. I think uh, they've got a very smart person running the 
uh, you know, uh, player of management being Peter Burge. I think they'll do something different with his uh, with his uh, rehab over summer. Get him cherry ripe next year. Unleash him. I think the issue for CJ, as much as his body breaking down, is his footy smarts. He's he probably is second only to Sam Frost. Would you say, Danny, in terms of making poor decisions on the field? Uh, yeah, he does have the occasional brain fade, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, so they've got to get that out of his game as well. But I'd be persevering with him. I think as a wingman, he would be sensational. Put him on one wing, uh, Amon on the other, with Josh Weddle maybe uh, coming in as a third wingman as well. Uh, would give Hawthorne uh, run outside run. That would be the envy of most teams in the competition. So... I think he gets at least 12 months to try and get himself right. Um, that's my thoughts on him. That's been my thoughts. But, well, Ash, interestingly, CJ was drafted as a forward, I think he said, um, yes. in in an interview. So, you know, could could be the Chad <laughs> slash Brocky replacement. It'd be fantastic if that happened. Uh, can't quite see it, but uh, you never know. Uh, might just go back to it all starter for, for him. That has been the spaces. We thank you for hanging around extra 24 hours to do it tonight, but I don't think too many would have been on here if we were doing this time last night. Um, we'll be back to Wednesday definitely next week, and then we'll certainly do a recap spaces after the final game of the season. We will then keep you posted as to our schedule over the next few weeks after that, whether we go fortnightly through September uh, or what we do. We've got AFLW we need to obviously support and talk about as well. So, but we will do some housekeeping internally and advise you as to what we've got planned. A couple of articles coming up on the Substack. Danny, you've been very productive. Must be quite a few at work at the moment because you've been doing all the great heavy lifting from a written point of view on the Substack, which, of course, $5 a month, $50 a year for the best online Hawthorne content there is. We have many apologies from Andrew Weeks, but he will be making a rare appearance in this space next week, I think. And he might even meet the footy on Sunday. He sent his apologies. He's missing us all terribly. Um, but he'll be back next week, as we all will, to review what we hope will be a win over over Melbourne and a look ahead to a big final game of the season. We may also have an, an announcement about something we may do around the Fremantle game. Stay tuned for that on the spaces next week. Uh, Darren, thank you. Thank you. Um, thanks for keeping the, a check on the time tonight, Ash. Uh, I know. We're back to go. <laughs> 9.40. Came on and, uh, you know, just getting, we hadn't talked about Warple, so, you know, we'll give people what they want. Uh, Brad, thank you. Thanks, all. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And uh, thank you, as always, Danny, for getting this going tonight. Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. and or Enjoy the weekend. Hope to see you at the MCG Sunday and we'll t- talk to you very shortly on Hawks Insiders. Thanks and good night. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews and so much more.